Well, good morning, and it is an honor to be speaking at Celebration Center today and joining you from my office to your home. Uh, as most of you know, or you have heard by now, Nathan is my son-in-law, and Jessica is my daughter, and uh, Nathan was on my staff for many years at East Point, a gifted teacher and leader, a caring pastor, and he has been greatly missed, so our loss has been your gain, but it is so fun to be with you and to be able to bring the word to you today. I'm going to talk about radical gratitude. Now, it may seem counterintuitive to talk about Thanksgiving and being grateful when we're in the midst of a global pandemic, uh, not to mention the worldwide recession and a lot of civil unrest in our country. But perhaps, and I would suggest to you that now might be the best time to do a heart check and to take a look at what the Word says and, and how it encourages and challenges us to practice, even in, especially in times like these, an attitude of gratitude. Uh, one of the texts I'm going to use today, I'll just land on this briefly, is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, and it's probably a familiar verse to many of you. It's one that uh, I have memorized and read for a long time, but Paul says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Paul says, give thanks in all circumstances. Now, of course, that doesn't mean for all circumstances, and as you know, it doesn't mean we're thankful for the horrible things that have happened to many of us. But Paul challenges us to give thanks in all circumstances, despite, regardless of what it is that we're facing, the challenges that we have, we are to give thanks in all circumstances. And from time to time, people ask me, Pastor, Pastor, tell me, what's the will of God for my life? And I, I usually tell them I don't have a crystal ball. I, that's, if I did, I wouldn't use it. That's not godly. But I love taking this passage in 1 Thessalonians because it says right here, this is the will of God for you. Want to know God's will for you? Well, here's one big piece of it. Give thanks in all circumstances. Now, with that in mind, I want you to think about the most negative person that you've ever met or ever known. Now, maybe it's um, somebody you've worked with. Hopefully, it's not somebody sitting next to you right now. But that person is someone I would typically refer to as a VDP or an EGR. VDP means a very draining person. EGR, you've probably heard that, extra grace required person. But whoever that person is, uh, they probably have a lot of negative baggage. Now, in all fairness, maybe they've had a tough life. Uh, maybe they grew up with a lot of negativity in their home. And whether we want to admit it or not, the role models that we have uh, growing up especially uh, influence us even to this day. But if you know somebody, call them a Debbie Downer or a negative Ned, you know how emotionally draining they can be. Uh, for many years, uh, once upon a time, I worked in the banking industry. I was in data processing, and I was a systems consultant. And I worked with a guy named Ted, not Ned, but Ted. And Ted was one of those guys that was uh, just always down. You'd ask Ted, how you doing? And you'd get 10 or 15 minutes of all the problems he has, the physical problems, the emotional problems, the family problems, and, and you'd regret asking him uh, how you're doing. Uh, people, in fact, would beg me to not work with him because he was so negative. He was a good programmer, actually very good uh, in his skills, but his people skills and his attitude just drained people. Ted had a lot of baggage. I got to know his story a little bit, and none of it was good. But Ted would drain the bone marrow right, marrow right out of you because Ted was never positive about anything. And that seems perhaps unfair to say never about anything, but trust me, it was true of him. Some people believe that once you reach a certain age, that a person's personality is set, that you can't uh, teach an old dog new tricks, tricks or a grumpy person. You can't help them become a happy person. I disagree. Uh, one of the things I love about God and his power is that he can transform us. In fact, that's what the Holy Spirit does. By the work of the Holy Spirit, 
even the worst pessimists can be changed. However, generally, typically, almost always, that is a process, involves a process that takes time and our cooperation. Uh, it's the process of spiritual growth that God takes us through. We call it sanctification. But it is a process where we cooperate, we partner with God. It's God and us. We work together with him, and it hinges on our choice. Much of what happens in our life, uh, God is, is a gentleman. The Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He's not going to force us to do anything, to change. But what he does is do, and he invites us, and he says, I'm, I can empower you, and I can help you to change if you want to. And I am grateful that God still changes us from the inside out. Some time ago, in fact, many years ago, I was inspired by a book by Ann Voskamp uh, called 1,000 Gifts. Maybe you've read it. Uh, I love her uh, writing. I've, I follow her blog. I've read, I think, every book she's published. She's a New York Times bestselling author. Ann and her husband are farmers in the uh, Mennonite countryside of Ontario, Canada. At least they were when she wrote this book. And one of the unique and amazing things about uh, this book, it's about being thankful. And she asked this very penetrating question, about, I think about chapter two in her book. She says, how do we fully live so that we are fully ready to die? Now, it may sound sort of like, Ugh, but it's a great question. How do we fully live so that we are fully ready to die? And her passionate answer throughout this book is we must choose to be thankful. In fact, she would say, choose to be thankful right where we are. Now, let's be honest. Sometimes we don't like the things happening to around us especially in this season. And being thankful is the last thing we feel like uh, doing. I, I, I get it. I understand. Sometimes we get lost in a maze of life and we find it difficult to be thankful because we're confused and we're bewildered by life circumstances. And sometimes we take things for granted and we might even have an entitlement attitude rather than an attitude of gratitude. We just sort of expect things to be given to us or to be ours or that we've earned some things. And so when things don't go the way we want, we that entitlement attitude is the exact opposite of an attitude of gratitude. Sadly, and I will own it, I've been that guy uh, way too many times. Instead of choosing to be grateful for the amazing things that I do have in my life, all too often I moan and groan and complain. Uh, years ago, about 10 years ago now, I uh, had surgery. I, was, I had cancer and I was in the hospital to remove that cancerous part from my body. And I don't like hospitals. I love hosp doctors and I'm thankful for hospitals, but I don't like being a patient there. And I went through the process. Uh, I had to spend two, three days, actually three days, two nights and three days in the hospital. And one of the things the nurses wanted me to do was get up and move around. Uh, in fact, pretty quickly, they said, get up, you need to get walk down the halls. And so I tried to gather my hospital gown, which was not very gatherable, if you know what I mean. And... <laughs> I walked around. And I, again, I'm moaning to my wife, groaning to the, the nurses, complaining to the doctor. I've been in just miserable mood. And then I'm walking around the hospital. And here's some of the things I saw. I saw a lonely guy uh, with no one visiting, older guy with absolutely no one visiting him at all. He was all by himself. I saw a young woman crying in her room, being comforted by a guy I assume was her husband. As I walked around, I saw another guy who was obviously uh, dealing with cancer. He'd lost his hair, uh, lost a lot of weight. I assume he was there for some cancer treatment as well. And here's what struck me as I wandered around that hallway. I've been complaining, moaning, groaning, not at all thankful, grumpy. And I walk around, I see all these other people, and it struck me, you know, why is it so easy for me to complain? Because actually things are not nearly as bad as they are for some of these folks. Luke 17 is where I want to hang out today. 
And you've got your Bible, the YouVersion Bible app, open up to Luke 17. And we're going to look at the story of 10 guys. Nine of them apparently had the same problem I have. They weren't grateful, uh, chose not to be grateful. And one guy did the right thing. Luke 17, let's pick up verse 11. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he, Jesus, saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, I'll come back to that in a moment. As they went, they were cleansed. Verse 15. Then one of them. There were 10 guys, but then one of them. When he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return to give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go. Jesus said to this man, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. I love this story. I love how it illustrates how common it is for us to not be grateful. And I love that we see this guy, this one leper, uh, who returns, only one, but he returns to Jesus and says, thank you, thank you. But how sad that he was the only one. Lepers of Jesus' day, uh, as I'm sure you know, were outcast of that society. They were forced to leave their homes, their families, their synagogues. In fact, they were, uh, as a general rule, to keep no less than 100 paces uh, from anyone else, any uninfected person. In the Jewish culture, the leper was considered legally dead. Leprosy was and still is a horrific, horrific infectious disease that causes skin lesions, nerve damage, and often a leper experiences the loss of their ears, nose, fingers, toes. It's a miserable disease. So as Jesus is walking to Jerusalem, it says in verse 11 and 12 that as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who lifted their voices saying, Jesus, have mercy on us. Now, these are 10 desperate men in a desperate situation who somehow must have heard this, this itinerant rabbi, this guy named Jesus from Nazareth, had power to heal. And so they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us. And it is highly likely that the people walking with Jesus, and that would include the disciples, were at least a bit concerned about this large group. This is a pretty good-sized group of guys, 10, 10 lepers, and probably even a little annoyed some of them had watched Jesus heal a leper before. In fact, they'd seen Jesus touch and heal a leper. That story is recorded in Matthew chapter 8. But 10 guys, uh, different story and potentially dangerous situation. These lepers could have been stoned and killed if they got too close. And just the size of that group, imagine 10 people traveling, 10 guys traveling together, made everybody nervous. We don't know for sure. It's speculation. But I think it's why Jesus said to them before they came to him, uh, how far away from him they were, we're not sure. But I think that's why Jesus didn't have them approach. Approach. In fact, what he did was look at verse 14 again. When Jesus saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. So Jesus, knowing this is a, a difficult situation, a, a tense situation for those that were with him, basically just said to these guys, go. Here's what I want you to do. What I find is interesting, the phrase here, as they went. All 10 were healed, but at the command of Jesus' words, or at his touch in previous times, he'd been brought healing. But these guys, as they went, in other words, they were healed as they obeyed his instructions. The miracle happened to them as their actions demonstrated their faith. Now, that's a topic for another time, perhaps. But it is interesting that as they turned and went, 
that they were healed. But here's the thing I want you to, to understand today and, and really what I, I want to land on, the number one point in your outline, is Jesus wants you to have a radical attitude of gratitude. Jesus wants you to have a radical attitude of gratitude. Ten men were healed, but only one, a despised Samaritan at that, returned to say thank you. And I love in verse 15, it says, one of them turned back to God, praising God with a loud voice. So this guy's loud about it. And he fell at Jesus' feet, giving thanks to him. Now, to throw himself at Jesus' feet was an act of humility and worship. But what did Jesus ask? He said, where are the other nine guys? Where are the other guys? Which begs the question, why didn't the others show the same gratitude? Jesus wants us to have an attitude of gratitude. And Jesus said, where are the others? I believe the same reason that they left is one, perhaps, why we left. We take things for granted, perhaps, or maybe because we feel entitled. How many times have you been stuck in traffic complaining about going 20 or 30 miles an hour instead of 70-ish when there was a time and day not too far, too long ago when people traveled by foot or by mule and it would take them days, weeks to travel a distance we can go in an hour? How many times have you been the guy moaning or the gal moaning about waiting for 20 minutes in the doctor's office when much of the world has no access to modern medicine? Uh, Nathan and I have been to Africa a few times together, a couple times together, and uh, he could tell you what I've seen as well, that in Africa, especially in Botswana, where we've been, you don't go to the hospital unless you have to, and most people that go there go there to die, especially the public hospitals. How many times we complain about being 20 minutes in a waiting room at a doctor's office when rather than being thankful for the, the fact that we even have modern medicine to take advantage of in our country? How many times have you and I grumbled to God about not getting whatever we want, maybe classifying our want as a need rather than being thankful for all that we already have. I know I have struggled with that many times. Did you know that the average person takes 23,000 breaths every day? Now, I'm not counting them. Somebody's figured that out. But the average person takes 23,000 breaths every day. And we tend to take that fact for granted. But each one of those breaths is a gift from God. Whether you're rich or poor, strong or weak, regardless of whether you're famous or infamous, whether you're a beautiful person like my wife or an old and homely guy like me, each and every day is a gift from God. In fact, and I can say this with compassion and gentleness, and I will say this though, even if your world has been recently turned upside down because of COVID or whatever else is going on in your world, you can find something to be thankful for, something good. You can the writer of Hebrews wrote this in Hebrews 12, 28. I'm reading from the voice translation. Therefore, let us all be thankful that we are part of an unshakable kingdom and offer to God worship that pleases him and reflects the awe and reverence we have toward him. Let me read that again. Listen carefully. He says, let us be thankful that we are part of an unshakable kingdom and offer to God worship that pleases him and reflects the awe and reverence we have toward him. What's the writer of Hebrews saying? He's saying that even when our world is shaken and trembling, even when things are turned upside down, we can be thankful because we are part, as Christ followers, of an unshakable kingdom that we belong to, the kingdom of God. The first thing that Jesus wants for us, and we need to remind ourselves of, is that we need to have an attitude of gratitude. And it doesn't come natural. And for a lot of us, it's a struggle every day, but we get to choose. Which takes me to the second point, number two, understanding that thankfulness is a choice. We need to understand that thankfulness, your, your desire, your will, your uh, intent 
comes as you choose. You choose to be thankful. Thankfulness is a choice. It starts with a decision to have an attitude of gratitude no matter what, to look for something to be thankful for. Philippians 4.8, another fairly familiar verse, but I love what Paul says here. He says, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Paul gives this list of things, if you can find anything, and then he, just in case you miss something, he says, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, anything at all, think about, fix your heart and mind on these things. In Paul's passionate and joy-filled letter to the church in Philippi, he begs them, he, he, he begs them, find the excellent and the praiseworthy and fix your heart and your minds right there. Paul was doing far more than just encouraging positive thinking. He was challenging them and us to choose, to choose, to choose where we put our attention and our focus. My grandpa was a brick mason uh, for many years and worked uh, building high-rises uh, downtown St. Louis, Missouri. And I, as a kid, remember with him uh, being downtown, he says, grandson, I, I built that building. Uh, he was one of the guys. And he worked up on these high uh, buildings where they didn't have a lot of safety <laughs> nets back then, a lot of safety features. Um, and I, he told me once, he, I, I remember asking him, I said, Grandpa, I said, how do you work at that height and, and not fall off the, 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 the walls you're working on? And he told me how to walk and not fall off. And I've never forgotten this. In fact, I've taught Caleb and Abby. I've told them Abby's always walking on a beam or something somewhere. And I've told them the same thing. Here's how you do it. You don't look down. You don't look at your feet. You don't look at your feet. You look where you want to go. You keep your eyes where you want to go. And as you do, your mind tells your feet where to go. So if you look down, not only are you likely to get dizzy and fall, but you're not going to be able to stay on path, on course. You'll fall. How do you stay upright. How do you keep moving forward? You keep your eyes where you want to go. You don't look down. Thankfulness comes when you choose to not look down on your circumstances, on your situation, but to keep your eyes on where you want and need to go and to keep your eyes on the good and on God. I know that thankfulness is not always something we feel, but it is a choice you make to fall at the feet of Jesus and to humbly say, thank you. Thank you, God. I have way more than I deserve. Sometimes people say, well, it seems hypocritical. I don't really feel thankful, so why would I say thanks to God? Well, you find one thing. Maybe there's only one, and maybe it's just a little thing, but you find something to be positive, something to focus on, something to say, God, I am grateful for this. And you choose to fix your attention there. It is a choice to declare, God, even when things happen to me that are wrong and hard and maybe even evil, I still have you. I still have my eternal destiny in an unshakable kingdom, and therefore, God, I choose to thank you. We can be like the majority around us, like the nine guys who didn't bother to come back to be thankful, or we can choose to be grateful, and I encourage you to choose wisely. So Jesus wants us, this is a big deal, because we're said many places in Old and New Testament, we're called into this uh, lifestyle where Jesus wants us to be thankful, to have a radical attitude of gratitude. And the way we get there is not by some magic or by some mysterious thing. It's by simply choosing. We choose where we're going to put our, our attention, our focus. We choose to be grateful. That being said, uh, I want to give you four practical things that I encourage you to do. I've never been accused of being very profound, profound uh, but I am practical. 
And I'm going to punch through these pretty quickly, but these are four things that I'm going to ask you to work on this week. Work on them this week. Make it, write it out somewhere, print it out somewhere, put it on a sticky note, and do these four things. Four practical things that I encourage you to do that will help you to be thankful. I promise you they will. Here's the first thing. Remember. Remember God's goodness and faithfulness in times past and his promise to never forsake you. Hebrews 13, 5, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Matthew 28, in the Great Commission, Jesus says, I'll lo, till the end of the world, I'll be with you always. Remember God's goodness and faithfulness in times past. How do I choose to be thankful today and, and to look forward? Well, I can also look back and say, you know, God has been there for me time and time and time again. I can remember the time when I lost my my grandson, uh, 12 years ago now, when he lived for about an hour and died, and yet God met us there and was faithful in that time. I can remember when I went through cancer and, and how God again and again provided and cared for me and showed up in so many ways in my life. I can remember when I walked through even relational challenges with my wife. I know sometimes people are shocked when I tell them, listen, I'm a pastor, but Lauren, I've been through marriage counseling, and there's nothing to be ashamed of about that. Sometimes you just get stuck and you need help. But I remember how God met us in those times. Remember God's goodness and faithfulness in times past and his promise to never leave you or forsake you. And that's one way that you can find the path to thankfulness now. Here's a second thing you can do. Recognize. Recognize we live in a broken world and stop blaming God for things that are evil. Galatians 6, 8 says, If we sow to the flesh, from the flesh we reap corruption. And there's so many other places where we see this pattern. Humans mess up. We fail. We are responsible from the very beginning. Uh, the condition of this world is not God's fault. It's human's fault. We have chosen to go our way. We've chosen uh, to take uh, uh, our path. And every time we do in any level, in any way we do, uh, it adds to the brokenness of our lives or the brokenness of the world around us. And part of what we have to do is it, we've got to take personal responsibility. Stop blaming others. Stop blaming God. It's hard to be thankful when you're in a blame-shifting mode. It just is. So rather than do that, recognize, yeah, we live in a broken world. Stop blaming God for that. And then turn to him and say, but God, I'm grateful that you are a healer, that you're the one who specializes in redemption, restoration, and renewal. Here's the third thing you can do. Release your unmet expectations to God who knows your situation better than you do and trust him more than ever before. Release your unmet expectations to God. I want you to think about the last time you had conflict with somebody, a kid, a spouse, a friend, a boss, an employee. Bet you money. I'm not a betting man, but I bet you 99% of the time that tension was because there's some unmet expectation, spoken or unspoken, something didn't happen that you wanted or something did happen that you didn't want. An unmet expectation leads to conflict, leads to tension. And it's true in so many areas in our life. And what I'm encouraging you to do I'm challenging you today is to release your unmet expectations to God. Say, God, this is something that I thought I wanted. I thought I needed. This is something that I really, really, really was hoping for. And yet, Lord, I'm going to entrust this to you. I'm going to trust my life to you. God knows you better than you know yourself. And he knows your situation better than you do. And we part of this thankfulness um, comes as we learn to trust and entrust our lives to him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, again, famous verse. Um, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Trust in the Lord. Lean on him. Trust in him. Entrust your life to him. Put your hope and confidence in him. Trust in the Lord with what? 
all your heart, every part of you. Don't lean on your ability to figure it out. That's a a, a trip up for us every time. That's, that is a, a challenge, a stumbling block for us every time. When we say, but, 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 God, I want to know, I want to understand. We have got to come to the point where we say, God, I don't get this. I never have been in this situation before, COVID-19, uh, worldwide global recession, uh, civil unrest, and I'm trying to pastor a church through this. Your pastor, Nathan, he's, God bless him. He's, what, six months into a new church, and no one has ever faced this before. And you are facing things in your situation. All we can do is trust him and trust our lives to him and trust your church to him. Say, God, you know better than we do. And I'm not going to lean on my understanding. In fact, in all my ways, I'm going to acknowledge you. What does that mean? Since God, I'm going to recognize that even when I don't get it, you're working. God does some of his best work in the darkness. Have you seen that? He created the world out of darkness, out of a, of a tomb where Jesus was, was buried. He created a new life, eternal life for, his, for all of us comes through the fact that the resurrection, God does some of his best things in dark and horrible places. Will we acknowledge him and believe then that he will make our path straight? What does that mean? He's going to get us right where we need to be just when we need to be there. Trust in the Lord. Release your expectations to him and trust him more than ever before. That's the path. One of the key ways you're going to be able to be grateful and thankful. And one last thing, and this is a hard one for me. I already admitted this. Remove a grumbling and complaining heart and mouth from your life. Remove it. Confess it as sin. Philippians 2.14 says, uh, stop complaining. Look it up. It says, don't complain. Don't murmur. Don't be that way. Be more like Jesus. Remove a grumbling and complaining heart and mouth from your life. You know, it's easy to grumble. I don't know why. And maybe you're positive by nature. Maybe you're one of those amazing people that always smiles and you just always bring daylight and sunlight and happiness to everyone around you. I love people like you. I wish I had more of them in my life. But a lot of us, we're just the opposite. We tend to just be the glass half empty. We tend to be a little grumpy. But I wonder, here's the thing. I wonder what would happen, not only in your life, but in your family's life. Uh, what would happen in the place you work, or the, the neighborhood you live in? What would happen in your church, in Celebration Center, if instead of being grumbling and complaining and negative and pessimistic, what if, in fact, we talked more about Jesus than we talked about COVID-19? Think about it. I There's probably not been a day in four months where I haven't had some sort of conversation with somebody about COVID-19. It comes up all the time. Just left a meeting five minutes ago, and it was the topic of conversation. And it was, it, it just quickly, we go there. And generally, it's pretty negative, pretty pessimistic, pretty dark, not very positive. It's hard. I get it. It's hard. But what would happen? Just imagine with me, what would happen if we took all of that time and energy and effort that we put into talking about COVID-19 into talking about the gospel? By the way, it's called the good news. What would happen if we took all of that and, and we spent as much time, at least as much time, if not more, talking about Jesus and the good news and God to our friends and family and co-workers and the people around us as we do about COVID-19? Remove a grumbling and complaining heart. Choose to do so. And when you do, all of these things, remember, remember God's goodness, recognize you, we live in a broken world and ask God to bring healing, release your unmet expectations to him and remove that grumbling, complaining heart. And when you do that, that's when you find yourself far more capable of being grateful and thankful. One last story and I'm done. 
uh, I mentioned that I, I had uh, surgery and I was um, in the hospital and got out. Before I was released from the hospital, I started having hiccups. And the nurse and the doctor told me, well, it's not that uncommon. They'll go away. You'll be fine. We have to expand your stomach to do the surgery. And, and so there's some gas in there, blah, blah, blah. And you'll be okay. It'll be fine. Well, I started like the day before I left with hiccups. And it wasn't too bad, but it was annoying. And it got worse. I got home and it got worse and it got worse. And I went, to be honest with you, five days having the hiccups. Now, have you ever had hiccups for like an hour? Imagine having hiccups for five days and you've had major surgery. So every hiccup is painful and I couldn't sleep. It was disturbing my rest. It was so frustrating. And you talk about, I was already having a hard time. I told you God did an, an attitude adjustment when I started seeing other people in worse situations than I was. And I tried to be thankful and was being better at it. But then I get home and I, I kid you not. I mean, this went on and on and on and I was miserable. Day three home, I still have hiccups and they're worse than they, they're not getting better. I'm trying to talk to the doctor and they tried some medication, muscle relax or something. That didn't do anything. And finally, I just started crying out to God. What, what a brilliant idea. <laughs> God, please, I'm miserable. I can't sleep. I'm, I don't understand. And here, and I remember laying in my bed, you know, hicking like that, that frequently. And I'm crying out to God. I'm, in fact, I'm li literally crying. I said, Lord, please. And here's what the Holy Spirit whispered to my heart. And it's not something I really wanted to hear, but it's what I needed to hear. The Holy Spirit said, Kurt, can you choose to be thankful even for hiccups? Be thankful for this right now. Be thankful in all things. Be thankful. Again, not necessarily thankful that I had hiccups, but thankful in the midst of this that I was still alive that the cancer had been removed from my body, that, that I went through success, a successful surgery. Can you choose to be thankful rather than focus on the hiccups? And I knew it was the Holy Spirit challenging me in that moment. And I took a deep breath and I said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I can. <laughs> well, I still had them for two more days before they finally went away. But I learned another lesson. It's, it's a choice we make, guys, to be thankful no matter what. Let me pray for us. Jesus, uh, I think about all that you went through on this planet, uh, being falsely accused, being rejected, being crucified ultimately on a cross. And it says in Hebrews that in 12, that for the joy set before you endured the cross, you kept your eyes forward. And, and Lord, I know that some of us are in a horrible place, just emotionally, maybe financially, some physically, wrestling through so many things. And I know we wonder, I do, is this ever going to end? Are we ever going to see the end of this COVID thing? Is it ever going to get better? And honestly, Lord, I don't have the answer for that. But what I do know is that you are the answer for everything we face. And you want us to keep our eyes on you. You want us to focus, to find something good. You want us to be in the midst of a dark world and a world that's negative and, and it literally blowing up all around us at times. You want us to be light in the midst of that darkness. And how do we do that? Well, one of the ways, one of the ways is that we choose to have a radical attitude of gratitude. And people will look at us and go, wow, how can you be thankful? How can you find something to be thankful for? And it's in those moments that we get to point them to you, the good news, the Savior, the life, the light of the world. So God, help us. I pray for these people that, that uh, I don't know, but I know that you know them and you you have brought them to Celebration Center for a reason, and I pray for them, God, that right now, whether they're sitting in their living room or sitting watching a break in their car, 
from work, wherever they're at in this moment right now, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come and change their hearts, change the, the, the focus, help them to look to you and bring gratitude in that, that situation. Help them to choose thankfulness. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you so much for letting me share the word with you today. I love you um, because you are brothers and sisters in the Lord, and I will be praying for you and praying for your church. God bless you guys.